Dear Lord Jesus, it's our great pleasure this morning to come, sit under your word, and your word is able to find us and change us. Speak to us by the waking of your Holy Spirit. Challenge our comfort zone that we may submit to your purpose and mission. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, it's my pleasure to be here and enjoy the comfort of being welcomed. Uh, when you come from afar and see how God's people loves you, care for you, you actually see that uh, there is nothing wonderful like being a child of God. If you go to other contexts, they will need maybe a year, two years to trust you. But when we share the same hope in Jesus Christ, we just meet, we start to give each other hug, we start to give each other tea and coffee. Isn't that amazing? Even when I look at your smiles, the way you are smiling at me, uh, you see there is no sense of suspicion. People are looking forward to hear God's word. And I'm very much encouraged, and I thank God for that. But as we begin to look into God's word, this is a familiar passage that most of us we know. Most of us, we have read it. But also, when I was reading this passage, there are a couple of things that are resonates well with where I come from. When you talk about water here in Australia, it may not mean much. Because uh, if you go, is it this side? You see the whole ocean, the beach, nice place. But if you go back home, you can open your tap anytime and water comes out. If that does not happen, I foresee the Australian government in very serious trouble for not providing water. But for us in Zimbabwe, it can take three, four days. You go to the tap, you open the tap, and there is no water. When that water is there, early in the morning, because the times water come around 4 to 9 a.m., it's gone. So you hear women screaming early in the morning, water has come. They rush to fetch water. But that water, again, you can't trust it to drink because it's not properly treated. Some men will drive some few kilometers away to go and join the queue to fetch water. For myself, I live in a suburb where there is no water. It takes uh, $1 for me to get seven buckets of 20-liter tin of water. So for us, water has become something that is very important. It's a matter of death and life. And when you come to this woman and also understanding the context, you realize that also water was important. 
But on the surface, Jesus is not talking about the common water that we always have. That's why Jesus said to the woman, if you knew the man that you are talking to, you will have living waters. And in their conversation, you begin to see also the woman saying, I need that water so that I will not come back every day to look at this water. And when you read through scriptures, you will see in Jeremiah chapter number 2, when God says, I am the springs of water. And in a deeper sense, Jesus is talking about our salvation. And when you continue to read this, uh, as I share with you this morning, one thing that I want to do is to try and encourage us to look at Jesus, see Jesus and his mission, so that me and you, we can participate in that mission to reach out to people who feel they don't know Jesus. At times they feel they don't care about him. It is only us who have come to light, who knows that it is important that in this life one must make a decision to have a relationship with God through our Lord and Savior Jesus. Who knows the importance of it? But those that are lost, they think they are okay. But Jesus' mission when he came, John, Luke chapter number 19, verse 10, Jesus said, I came for this purpose, to look and save the lost. How about me and you as we follow Jesus Christ, we also join him in this mission on a day-to-day place as our part of obeying our Lord and Master Jesus Christ. When you look at Matthew chapter number 28, verse 19 to 20, when Jesus rose from the dead, he gave a mandate to his disciple to say, go into the whole world. Make disciples of all nations. No one is excluded. But who should go? It's his disciples. And we are his disciples. You also realize that as we continue to read the, the same passage that we have read, when the woman met Jesus at the well, when she realized that she has met Jesus, and actually Jesus being God, he was able to see what she had gone through in her life. And immediately she forgot about the water that she wanted to fetch. The Bible says she ran back into the city and tell all the village to say, come and see. So you see, uh, come and see. I have seen a man who has told me all about what I have done. You know, God is so good through Jesus that even when he is talking to this woman, he does not bring a sense of condemnation like what we do when we see people who are falling short. He speaks to her in such a way that she feels, oh, this is me. And is still excited to go back and face, you know, when the Bible says she had five husbands which were not her own. 
You can imagine maybe how the society will look at it. When women around the city complaining that my husband is not coming home, where is he? He is next door with that woman. You feel like the society says, be careful if you see your husband talking to that woman. But Jesus says, for such a people, I have come to demonstrate my love. I have come to save them. And here is a woman who met Jesus. Actually, verse 4 says, Jesus had to go through Samaria. It was a must in God's plan. Because he is looking for sinners. Without judging, but as we are talking about sinners, I think there are also some people who run through your mind. You know that one is a sinner. That one is a sinner. That one does not know Jesus. And you feel you need to be persuaded that Jesus has also invited us to be part of this mission so that we are going and sharing with them that our commission is applying to all of us today. But as we think about the mission that Jesus had given us, you also at times see that there are many hindrances, many barriers. Like in this case, you realize that uh, when this woman saw Jesus, she felt, ah, I am a Samaritan. You are a Jew. You know that uh, Samaritans and Jews, there is nothing in common. Can you imagine? She is just blocking the giver of life, the savior of life, because she didn't know. Just like many people who are still lost there. When we reach out, when they hear that you are a Christian, in our context, even when students are Christian on campus, even they, they are doing some program. Those that are not Christians, kind of like they want to look down upon those that are Christians. They say there must be something that is really wrong. I don't know here. When you are at a workplace, don't you have such people who will say, ah, we are a Christian? They feel like, ah, but are you really, really normal? What is it that you lack? Have you seen such? Because they have all what they think it takes in life. They have cars they want. Some have gone on to, I saw a lot of boats in the river. And I say, whose boats are these? And says, oh, they are individual boats. So they can go when it is hot and go and relax. And to themselves, they think, oh, everything is well. But it is us on the other side who know that this is not well for them. There is a time when Jesus shall return. And when he will return, he is coming as a judge. And everyone shall be accounted before God. And will not be judged because of how much money have we made in this world. We will not be judged by how much poor are we in this world. We will be judged because when we heard about Jesus, we chose not to believe in him. But also for those that have believed in him, there shall be joy and celebration and rewards in heaven for those that has been faithful to be in mission with Jesus. Will you not like it maybe when we we'll shake hands in heaven? 
When you see me in glory, putting on crowns and say, yes, I was faithful to be on mission with Jesus. Maybe probably we'll ask each other, how difficult was it in Australia? And you say, people had a lot of pride. You know, there are many barriers and many challenges. And I was just kind of thinking to say, when I also hear stories, I hear like my friends who are here in Australia, those that are non-Christians, they have their own personal pride and they don't want people to just come into their own space and push them too much. And I was also reflecting and I also hear that also even in church, they are also others who don't want to be invaded in their space too much. And I was saying, is that what the scriptures say? I was just trying to think, how was it when maybe probably Peter and James are relating as brothers in the Lord? How open were they in their space? So there are many barriers even, even ourselves, we can be barriers to ourselves to reach out to others because we are not yet also fully dead to ourselves. There is something that is still ticking. I am there. They must not do this to me. They must not push me too far. There are many barriers, but Jesus overcame all the barriers. And he said, no matter this woman felt, no, Jesus, I am a Samaritan woman. Jesus, no. You love this living water more than you love this natural water. He forgot all the barriers that were there, cultural barriers, Hatred that was there because he has come, he is in mission to save those that are lost. We have our own personal barriers. Some have fear. How will I reach out to my neighbors? If I go and confront my neighbors, what will they say to me? They will label me and say, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. But Brothers and sisters, we can have a joy that supersedes all. Like this Samaritan woman, when she received Jesus, she was so excited and wanted to talk about it. Do you know there are news that excites us that more than that, the news that, about Jesus? When I came in, I think it was in two weeks, uh, when the women's football team was performing well. So when they were, I think they were like... Uh, Close to cringe the cup. You will hear everyone talking about the team, the girls are doing well. The girls are giving us pride. Actually, a certain lady then says, Pastor, I don't think some people will come for the evening service. Why don't you? Especially if the girls make it to the final. Everyone would want to be glued to the screen because for them it's good news. They can't afford to keep quiet. If we have that same joy that I have found the greatest need of my life, I have found Jesus, I have eternal life. One day he shall say, welcome, well done, faithful servant, and we shall be with God forever and ever when there is no inflation, where there is no lake of water, where there is actually, the Bible says, we'll be walking on streets of gold. You know, my imagination was saying, coming from Zimbabwe, 
I'll like I'll say, God, I want to persuade. Can I have a piece of gold? And just go down and demonstrate that this gold has been troubling me the rest of my life. We have better hope in Jesus. And we can gladly share with the lost. But also Jesus says he's talking with this woman. He was very intentional in connecting with her from things that she know about water, but also building up to create an environment where he can share the truth. We can also make strategic relationships, strategic friendships that are genuine as a way because we want to reach out. Jesus demonstrated this as he was dealing with the Samaritan woman until she was convinced, I need this living water. After she received, she went and also tell others to come. So our duty is also, we must always invite. You know part of the program that we do there, the film that is being screened, we are also trying to reach out to people. And we can play a part of saying, my neighbor, can you come? If we are not yet there, we are not yet able to share, we can also begin to invite. Come. And when they come, we open scriptures, they are convicted, and they became children of God. Isn't that wonderful? When you see them growing, loving God, when you see their priorities changing, when you see them focusing on Jesus, we can invite like this woman, when the whole seat came, they said to the woman, we now do not believe because you have told her, we have met him, Jesus, and he has spoken to us. And we now believe. Jesus was very much intentional in meeting the spiritual needs of this woman. And also as we do this, we can also prayerfully ask God, give me wisdom. Who can I talk to? Who is ready? And when this woman met Jesus, her identity totally changed. And our identity when we are also in Christ, it also changed. We may be in the same city, but a Christian and a non-Christian, we are not the same. We are God's children. We have a relationship with God. God knows us as his children. And because we share different identity, we seek to bring others to the same identity that they can also become the children of God. And as I draw close to my conclusion, Matthew chapter number 9, verse 37 to 38, Jesus says, laborers are few in this harvest field. The harvest is plenty. What does it mean to say harvest is plenty? You may also want to say Australia is how many people? What percentage are we as Christians? That means the harvest is plenty and Jesus is inviting us to be laborers with him. And my prayer is, can I be counted among the few laborers to labor on the same mission with Jesus? Dear brothers and sisters, we can take time to think deeply. How can I be involved 
the easier way is let's begin to pray for the lost. Let's begin to pray asking God, how do we reach out? Shall we pray? Dear Lord Jesus, we speak this passionately to one another because we know you came for a mission. Your mission and purpose was to save the lost. In our days, in our time, by the behavior of the world, there is enough indication and evidence that many in the world are lost. But you also invite us that few are laborers. And here we are. May you help us, Lord. That even though we are few, give us strength, remove all the comfort and barriers, that we reach out to the worst world, to the lost world. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.